Welcome to the OutThinkers Podcast. Plug into fascinating minds and breakthrough ideas that are transforming industries and the world. I'm your host, Kyan Krippendorf, founder of OutThinker Networks, a global think tank comprised of corporate strategists, innovators, and entrepreneurs that are shaping the future of business. If this describes you, join us at OutThinker.com. Now, let's dive into this week's episode. So social leadership is having the skills, the mindset, and the perspectives that you need to have an impact both in the business and in broader society. And we believe that organizations who develop social leaders can really bring their purpose to life because we think purpose comes to life in the organization through people. That was Shannon Banks, Managing Director of B Leadership and an award-winning facilitator, consultant, and coach. I got to work pretty closely with her years ago when she led a huge part of Microsoft's leadership development program. She is a pioneer in the field of social leadership. She founded her company in 2014 to help organizations bring their purpose to life through their people. She just launched a new book titled Because, 12 Essential Skills for Connecting How You Lead with Why. And as you heard in the highlighted clip, she believes it is leaders that have the power to ignite this in their companies. In this podcast, we explore Shannon's rich background as a leader from 20 years in the tech industry, 17 of which she spent at Microsoft, to founding her leadership company. We even journey back into a fascinating part of her journey in St. Petersburg, Russia. Her crooked path, as she calls it, brought her to helping others learn about purpose and social leadership. In this episode, we cover the 12 leadership traits that can elevate you as a leader, both relationship-based and contextually-based. Why now, more than ever, being a social leader is critical as technology cements itself into our work environment. The difference between strengths, values, and passions, and how they intermingle to optimize your purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, Shannon Banks. Shannon, it is so great to see you after so many years. Thanks for taking the time to be on this podcast. Oh, it's lovely to be here, Kai Han. Thank you. So I was thrilled when I heard that you were about to publish a book at the time of this recording. By the time we release this, it'll be available to the public because I've seen the amazing work that you've done. Most of the context of my getting to see you work has been inside Microsoft, but beyond Microsoft, you've done just such amazing work on leadership and coaching and culture shaping in pretty large, complex contexts. So it's really a treat to get to learn from you today. I want to start with the same two questions that I ask everyone on the podcast. The first is just for us to get to know you a little bit personally, if you could complete the sentence for me. If you really know me, you know that. If you really know me, you know that I love to run every day and I pick up litter. I once ran into a friend at the cinema and she introduced me to a friend that she was with. And she said, this is my friend, Shannon Banks, and she runs every day and she picks up trash. I thought, well, there are worse things to be known for. That is great. So do you carry around one of those mechanical claws to pick it up or you just pick it up or you carry a bag or you just run it to the next garbage can or what? When I'm running, I just pick it up and put it in the trash. Okay. If I find stuff that is recyclable and I want to take it home, I bring it home with me and recycle it. Okay. And then I'll often do letter picking as well using proper equipment. Right. Yeah. Good for your body and good for the environment. Love it. This is a podcast on strategy. So my question is, what is your definition of strategy? Yeah, that's a great one. I bet you get lots of different answers. 
For me, it's really about being an inspiring long-term plan that really sets direction and helps you figure out what impact you want to have, but one that's flexible enough to deal with the uncertainty and complexity and everything that's likely to come your way. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. That balance. I guess that balance kind of changes depending on the environment and the industry. Fascinating. Yeah. I want to get into that interaction between culture and purpose and things and strategy. Let's just take a little bit further. First, to get a bit of background on your work, could you give us a broad brush of your career and why you decided to write this book now? Yeah, sure. I have had a career that has been quite an interesting one. And I talk about it at the start of the book because I had a professor at university who talked about a crooked path. And that has been my career, to be really honest. So the short version, though, is that I spent about 20 years in corporate life, working closer and closer and closer to my real purpose and getting closer to who I really am. Most of that was in technology. I spent 17 years at Microsoft and I moved from more technical roles into roles more related to people and more related to systemic coaching and systemic org design. And I left the company, I left Microsoft eight and a half years ago and started my own company. And I focus on social leadership, which is all about helping organizations to bring their purpose to life through their people. And it's about developing leaders who really can see the strategic value and importance of having a positive impact as part of their work. And your firm is called B Leadership. Why B Leadership? I named it quite deliberately because I think change starts at an individual level. And I think that from the perspective of an individual leader, you can have a huge impact on the culture that you have around you. And so for me, it's as much about how you do things as it is what you do. And it's about who you are and how you are being as a leader. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. So being as a state of being, like so that people can be different things. You can be a mother, you could be a wife, you could be a worker, you could be an entrepreneur, you could be a runner, a moviegoer, right? So you could be different things. So it's sort of like what I'm reading into it, tell me if that, I might be partially right or completely wrong, but it's sort of like being aware of you as a leader, who you're being when you are being the leader. Is that sort of it? Yeah, that's definitely a big part of it. I also think it's about the behaviors that you have as a leader. So it's not just what you're doing, but it's the way you are being. It is the way you are showing up as a leader, whether you're being inspiring and whether you're being accountable and whether you're being curious, whether you're being present. So it's how you are behaving. Gotcha. Yeah. I think it's so important because your strategy is really what we do, not what we say we're going to do. And what you do are the actions. So as a strategist or as an entrepreneur, ultimately our success depends on the behaviors of the people that are doing the strategy, right? Yeah, completely. I'm watching the Netflix show about Formula One. Yes. So obvious watching that, that sometimes the strategy is right, but the leadership is wrong. And that makes a huge difference. And I actually like watching that show because... It kind of is laying out in front of me what I always say, which is it doesn't matter only what strategy you have. It also matters who you have leading that strategy. Gotcha. So yeah, I just want to understand what your framework is for understanding these behaviors. So just throwing out some things. Again, most of this could be wrong. One is who do we have executing the strategy? That could be we have to change who that person is being if it's not the right fit or we just change the person. 
if it's changing who the person's being, I'm wondering like, what are the elements of that? I get a sense that there's a sense of your purpose. There's probably a sense of being self-aware. There's probably a sense of understanding what types of behaviors support the strategy and don't. Do you have a framework or a list or how do you think about what causes behavior? We think that in the world today, there are 12 skills that are most essential for having the greatest impact, both in the business and in society. And we think they're the same skills. So we think there is a necessity to think beyond the business to society. And I think that's often part of the strategy of organizations today. And if it isn't, it should be. But these skills allow you to be successful at that. And in my book, I talk about the importance of those skills and aligning how you lead using those skills with why, which is the purpose. And that purpose can be the purpose of the organization and it can be your individual purpose. And the more aligned those are, the better. Can you just give us an example of some of the skills so we can imagine them? Absolutely, yeah. So we have six skills that are really connected to the idea of relationships and connection. And we have six skills that we say are related to context leadership which is really about being more agile in the face of increased amounts of data and complexity. So there are things like courage and accountability. There are things like presence. There are things like curiosity, flexibility. There are 12 of those. Okay, got it. I want to get into how you apply that and have some questions there. But before we go there, I want to get a sense of what you call social leadership, right? First, could you define that for us? And then I was going to ask you a follow-up question. Yeah, no problem. So social leadership is having the skills, the mindset, and the perspectives that you need to have an impact both in the business and in broader society. And we believe that organizations who develop social leaders can really bring their purpose to life because we think purpose comes to life in the organization through people. And why now? Why is purpose, maybe it always has been, but if we just take, say, your former employer, Microsoft, you know, if we look at Microsoft 1980s, purpose was not so much a central part of the culture, and today it is. Why now? Yeah, I'd love to answer two questions. One is, why social leadership now? And maybe then, why purpose now? So why is social leadership so important now? One of the big trends that's driving the need for social leadership is the amount of technology we have in the world. Obviously, I worked at Microsoft for a long time and so saw that emerging before some other companies were really ready to accept it. And I think that a silver lining from the pandemic is that it's allowed companies to adopt technology that they might have been slower to adopt. But within that context of technology, we have to stay really human-centered because connectivity and connection are two different things. And so the need to stay connected and human-centered in a technology-driven world is one of the reasons that we need to have the skills that relate to social leadership. And then the second trend that I bring up is one around the larger amounts of uncertainty and change and the vast amounts of data that we're being bombarded with course AI and everything that that's bringing to the table in terms of need to be flexible and adopt what we do so that we remain relevant in this new AI world. So I think that is the second trend that demands a slightly different set of skills than we had in the past. And then the third is purpose. So you asked why purpose today? I think it's been gradually leading up to more 
need to focus on purpose for the last like 50, 60 years. So if you look way back to really 50, 60 years ago, there was sort of a belief that purpose didn't matter so much and that companies didn't need to have much of a societal impact. I mean, Milton Friedman quite famously talked about the fact that the only purpose in business was to make money. And that's really, really shifted. So if you look at like in 2011, only 20% of organizations had sustainability reports. And this year, like 95% of companies had sustainability reports. So I think that's partially because customers are demanding it. I think employees are demanding it. If you look at the younger generations of employees, they're really demanding more focus on society. We can't afford to not, frankly. I think it's just becoming obvious with what's happening with climate change and what's happening in the world. We are interconnected and we have to look at society. Gotcha. Yes, makes sense. So given that purpose is such an increasingly central pillar of sustainability, success, strategy, whatever that is, you've done so much coaching of executives. How do you help executives find their purpose? I took a class many, many, many years ago. It's what had me quit my kind of corporate career. And it took like three days of this intensive inward looking stuff. And finally, at the end of it, I said, it's not so what I discovered, but created that my life's purpose is people living lives of passion, fulfillment, full self-expression. In other words, people loving what they do. And when I'm doing that, I feel great. When I'm pretending I'm doing that, I don't feel so great. But it took like a lot of introspection. And some people you know, hear stories of Steve Jobs going to India and meeting a guru and the guru tells you, how do you help people find or create that purpose? So we have a whole set of tools that we use. We've used these tools with large groups and we've used these tools in one-to-ones. I do share some of the tools around finding your purpose in my book because I think it's actually possible to reflect on this yourself and make a significant amount of progress with the right tools around you. But I believe that there are three things that you can bring into your reflection to help you find your purpose. One is your strengths. So for the strengths, when we're working with leaders, we typically start with the social leadership skills because we think those are at the foundation of the skill set you need. And we have a self-assessment online that leaders can work through. Actually, anyone can use it, including anyone who's listening. Yeah, I completed it as well. It's really brief, but it really gives you some insights around where you are regarding these 12 skills. So that's one pillar is your strengths. The second thing we look at is your values. There are many ways to think about your values and explore those. We have an online tool for that as well. And we also have physical cards that we use with our clients. When we're working with them in person, they can sort and try to identify their top values. And actually, while it sounds obvious, a lot of people confuse strengths and values. So for example, I might be really good at being accountable and I might see that everyone always gives me feedback that I'm really accountable, but that might not be something I value. Or I might value something that I see in other people and they really inspire me because they're really great at it, but I might not be good at it myself. So it's really important to differentiate. And we work with our clients on disambiguating values and strengths. Then the third thing that I really like to help leaders I work with, executives I work with, think about are their passions. These are things that you spend time on, not things that you should spend time on or you wish you spent time on, but actually the things that when you have free time, you spend time on. And what we help 
leaders to think through is the connections between these activities, because those are your real passions. So you might love, like I love outdoor running and I love vegetable gardening. Those aren't really my passions. Those are activities, but why I love those, that's my passion. So underneath there, I love sharing my runs with a community and I love growing the vegetables and sharing those with my neighbors. And so why I really dig I have a real passion around sharing. Similarly, I like outdoor running and I like traveling with my family. And when I look at why I like the travel, for example, I like the exercise and walking around and doing all the physical exploration around the new place that I'm visiting. And so I see a connection between my passion activities that's a passion around strength and growth. So you really have to look under the surface. And so we help reflect on these things with our one-to-one coaches. We do them in our workshops. I work through some exercises around this in my book as well. So give just a little like a tip that we can use. Certainly, we're going to encourage people to buy your book and to look at working with you. What's something that if we take that insight, which I think is really powerful, that we might confuse our activities with our passions, but you want to be able to dig in and create that distinction. What's underneath your activities that are really the passions that drive you to love those activities? I can see the value of doing that as an individual, me really understanding myself. Let's now translate that to a leader or a strategist, someone that would think that that's an important skill for leaders to develop. So how do leaders use that? I don't know if this answers your question exactly, Kaihan, but what you've brought to mind for me is that this work that we do on purpose can be done at an individual level, but it can equally be done and should be done at a team level and an organizational level. And sometimes what we do at Be Leadership is help teams to connect the purpose that they all have as individuals and as a team to the purpose of the organization. And that has massive strategic value because if you can help bring that purpose of the organization to life by helping individuals in the organization connect to it and live it, you win. Got it. Great. Did that answer your question though? Yes, that did. Yeah, that did. So the little bit of exposure that I've gotten to your work, at least at Microsoft, is just the scale at which you're able to kind of roll out changes, new approaches, new behaviors. And I know it's hard, but just doing it at that scale really takes something. Like, is there anything in your life that had you kind of appreciate what it takes to be able to create these ripples on a scale? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think I had a lot of experiences when I was young that really helped me think about the impact you can have and how that impact might be eroded. A story that comes to mind around that is from when I was at university. I actually spent a semester in St. Petersburg, Russia, and it was a really interesting time to be there. It was early 90s, so it was just after Glasnost and Perestroika. The U.S. and Russia were trying to learn to get along, and the U.S. was really trying to help support Russia in its changes, and it was difficult there, like really, really difficult during the time I lived there. So one of the things that the U.S. government decided to do while I was there was send some medical supplies over to Russian hospitals because they were in shortage, as many things were. And they set up this thing called Operation Provide Hope, where they collected half a million dollars worth of medical supplies and hoped and planned to distribute them to Russian hospitals. 
but they didn't really have a way to operationalize this. And so they called in English speaking Americans who were on the ground in Russia at the time to help with the distribution. So I was there and so were other students like me. And so we got contacted to see if we could help with this. And we went very willingly. It was a really great initiative and we wanted to be able to support it and went along to a port where there were huge containers of medical supplies and we were put to work distributing these supplies. They were basically sharing them out, you know, across different containers to ship them off to the different hospitals. Well, it became really apparent to us really quickly. You know, I was 20 something. We weren't experienced at all, but it became really apparent that it wasn't going to be as successful as they wanted it to be. And there were really like three reasons why it wasn't going to be that successful. So one was that the warehouse that we were in was freezing, literally way below freezing. And as we were unloading these supplies, they kept saying, do not freeze on them. And we were like, oh, well, this is going to be destroyed by the time it gets to the hospital. So that was quite depressing. Then the second was that the supplies had pieces that needed to be used. So there would be like syringes without needles. Oh, wow. We were like, well, I don't really think that this is actually going to be valuable to the recipient because the hospital is going to get it and they're not going to have everything they need. But really the worst part was that they hadn't thought through the full end-to-end delivery of these supplies. And at the point we lived there, the mafia presence was really, really obvious. And there was a lot of trouble with it. And because they hadn't thought through the whole distribution process, we knew and ultimately found out that without someone accompanying these products all the way to their endpoint, they would get siphoned off and taken off and sold. And that is what we learned happened. I mean, we were told that in the end, only 10% of the delivery was usable. Wow. Wow. Right. So now you could translate that to any change effort, any cultural change effort, strategic change effort. And if only 10% actually makes it through, then yeah. For me, it really, really taught me that strategically, you know, you have to think about not just what you want to achieve, but really how. So it's the how and the why and the what all need to come together. Yeah. And I can see now going back to where we started, having the why, having the purpose, how that can pull through and coordinate the activity. All right. So so much that we could cover that I'd like to cover but we're reaching the top of our time with you. Definitely, we're going to encourage people to get Because 12 Essential Skills for Connecting How You Lead with Why. How else can people continue connecting with you, learning from you, et cetera? Well, they could go to my company's website, Be Leadership. So it's be-leadership.com. I have an author website, shannonbanksauthor.com, which they could also visit. On the Be Leadership site, there is the self-assessment that they can download. And in the book, there are a number of other resources. And on the Shannon Banks author website, there are a number of other resources that might be interesting around purpose. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us for collecting this lifelong collection of work and experiences and putting it into a digestible framework for all of us. I love the self-assessment as well. I took that a few days ago. Thank you for the work you do and for sharing with us. It's great to see you again. Thank you, Kaihan. 
Thank you to our guests. Thank you to our executive producer, Karina Reyes, our editor, Zach Ness, our audio engineer, Jack Tipper, and the rest of the team. If you like what you heard, please follow, download, and subscribe. I'm your host, Kyan Krippendorf. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you soon with another episode of OutThinkers.